0: Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Mark chapter 13. Mark 13 is the Olivet Discourse. Uh, Olivet Discourse is when Jesus talks about the end times. So we've looked at this passage through the lens of Matthew and Luke already. Now we'll look at it through through, through Mark's perspective. Uh, This also uh, means that virtually every major uh, end times passage in the New Testament we have looked at in some form or fashion. So first, second, first, second Thessalonians, all of Revelation, Matthew, now Mark, and then Luke and the, all of the discourses. There, there may be a few references in Acts that that don't play a significant role, but we've looked at looked at all the major ones. So if you want to study the end times. All of those passages we have commented on. But I want us to look at Mark 13. A lot of this material will, will be familiar to you if you've, if you've been with us this whole time. The challenge of the Olivet Discourse is figuring out when is Jesus talking about an immediate event, the destruction of the temple, or um, a, a, a future yet to be determined in times event and this is a real challenge and if you followed along with these devotions you know I I usually take um, an an ambiguous approach. I do believe much if not all this passage can be applied to uh, the destruction of the temple in AD 70. Um, But then I also think at some point Jesus isn't only talking about that Uh, but rather Jesus has a future event in mind. So we see it immediately here in the context. Jesus comes out of the temple. We, we talked about this some last week. We're, we're in the final week of Jesus. We're in chapter 13. There's only 16 chapters of Mark. So we're quickly approaching the end of Jesus' ministry and, and, and life. And the disciples say to Jesus, look, teacher, what wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings. Remember that uh, this is the second Jewish temple. The first, of course, is Solomon's temple. It was destroyed by the Babylonians in the 6th uh, century B.C. It was then rebuilt uh, 70 plus years later uh, that's known as the Zerubbabel Temple. Uh, Zerubbabel, a ancestor of Jesus, uh, it happens to be, was governor at this time. He, along with Haggai and Zechariah and Nehemiah and Ezra and others, played a role in having the temple rebuilt. Yet this is a renovated version of that temple. Uh, Herod the Great, Uh, he was, the best things he did were building projects. Uh, Masada, the temple, uh, and and other places. And this was, uh, this is one that took um i think if memory serves me right about 40 years had just been finished uh, around the time jesus begins his ministry and so the disciples it's still new every time they come they they marvel at this incredible building one of more incredible buildings in the uh, roman world this time not the most but certainly a significant building in the roman world and so the disciples are marveling look at this wonderful building look at these stones this is incredible and jesus says do you see these great buildings there will not be left here one stone upon the other that will not be thrown down. That is a way of saying not only is it going to be destroyed, it's going to be destroyed in a very violent, sudden way. And so uh, Jesus makes that statement. They leave the city walls, and now they're at Mount of Olives. You can still go to Mount of Olives. This is why it's called the Olivet Discourse. And from this vantage point, still true today, you can see the Temple Mound. Of course, now it's the Dome of the Rock Mosque, a a Muslim holy site. But at this time, you could see the Jewish Temple. And so they're again marveling at this uh, building. And verse 4, the disciples say, particularly Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Uh, tell us when will these things be, what will be the sign when all these things are to be accomplished. They want to know what are the signs of the end times. And it's here where it gets murky. Notice the context is, when will this building be destroyed? So I would argue right away that Jesus is referring to that event, and the evidence suggests that. At the same time, when Jesus is clearly talking about a more future event, the end, um, it's hard to tell when does that conversation begin. So I do believe that it's reasonable to say what Jesus says here and following applies to the end, but I think it also applies to the destruction of the temple. That is typical of, of a biblical prophecy. There's an immediate fulfillment and a touchdown fulfillment. A good example of this is actually John the Baptist. Remember that the Old Testament ends prophesying that when the end comes, Elijah will, will come. And Jesus says John the Baptist is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Well, you read the end of Malachi, and he, it's clearly eschatological. It's clearly about the end. And so what Jesus is, is hinting at there is John the Baptist is an immediate fulfillment of that, and, and, but there's an ultimate fulfillment. The same could be said we'll see here in a minute with the Abomination of Desolation. So uh, I, I just want to look at these quickly, I don't want to spend forever on this. Um, Jesus mentions false messiahs. Many will come in my name saying, I am he. They will lead many astray. Verse 7, he mentions wars and rumors of wars. Verse 8, he adds to it, nations will rise against nation, kingdoms against kingdom. And also in verse 8, there will be earthquakes and famines. And then he says these are the beginning of birth pangs. These are signs that something is, is about to happen. Verse 9, be on your guard. Uh, And and verses 9 through 13 is dealing with persecution of believers. They'll deliver you over to councils. Uh, Verse 12, brother, deliver brother over the death. Father, his child. Children will rise against parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. So what do we have here? All of that happened during the destruction of the temple. Um, Families were turning on each other. There was a lot of death and mayhem and destruction and violence all of this took took place right and you'll notice there in verse 10 a significant verse the gospel must first be proclaimed to all the nations now if you take this as exclusively about the future then I would say this is a, a key sign right when the gospel is preached all over the world um, that's that's very possible I, I don't know but I think an immediate fulfillment here would be by 87 you've got the gospel from Jerusalem where it begins as far west, at least as, as far as Rome, Peter and Paul die in Rome, um, and we have the book of Romans and Mark, right, written from Rome and all that sort of stuff. We also have the gospel going east. A lot of the disciples went east, some went north, some, some went into Africa. So So what we have then is the gospel really has reached the nations here. So this verse can, in fact, fit a more immediate fulfillment of these prophecies. Verse 14, but when you see the abomination of desolation, um, that is the key sign for Jesus. And so if Jesus is referring to the destruction of the temple, it makes sense, right? So with the abomination of desolation prophesied by Daniel, which I believe he he mentions here, um, that was fulfilled with the uh, coming of the Greeks, When a Greek governor comes in and sets up a Zeus altar in the temple, uh, declares himself to be a god, and sacrifices a pig in the holy place, um, that is a desecration. And out of that comes the Maccabean Revolt. Well, Jesus says something like this is going to happen again. And it did happen again when Titus uh, comes in and destroys the temple. If Jesus is talking about a future event, this is where dispensationalists get the idea that there will be a future temple. Uh, So if you've ever read the Left Behind books or, bless your heart, watched the movies, you can see that that is a central Uh, story plot, the uh, building of... The temple. And you have to have a temple in order for there to be a desolation of the temple. So, that, that is a real, real challenge. Obviously, there's not a temple yet, um, even though there are been conversations about it. Verse 22, we return to the theme of false messiahs, false christs, false prophets will rise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. Be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. Notice, is he talking about the disciples? Because they're not around now. Or is he, is he talking to readers in general? Because Mark just wrote earlier, let the reader understand when talking about the abomination desolation. Well, if Mark is written in the 60s, and I think it is, uh, maybe even late 50s, um, then he's making a prediction that hadn't happened yet with the destruction of the temple. Or he's talking about something way out in the future that we've yet to, to see. And then verse 24, we get the coming of Christ. And here I think it's clear he has a future eschatological event in mind. And so we see that the stars will be fallen there verse 25. The powers in the heavens will be shaken. Right? Some of this imagery is used in Revelation, right? That, that stars are fallen and you get the dragon and you get all this other stuff. Verse 26, and when they will, and then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. But we saw that in some detail in multiple passages in Revelation. The rider on the white horse, and the sword coming out of his mouth. He's got a sash, a big tattoo saying, King of Kings, right? We, and, then, and then a, a title that um, um, no one knows but him. Right? So, so we, we get all that imagery in uh, Revelation. But then what we get in verse 28 to the end is um, an application of it. And the message is, Be ready. It begins with a lesson of the fig tree, verse 29. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, uh, this generation will not pass away until all these things take take place. So you have there, uh, be ready, it's coming. Uh, and live in such a way that you are ready. But when he says, this generation will not pass away, is he talking about the generation that sees these signs yet in the future? Or this generation that is the generation of the disciples, which was fulfilled instruction of the temple. Uh, it's, it's difficult to know for sure. Finally, verse 32, But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. And it is those two verses that should make any predictions cease. Why multiple false teachers continue to make prophecies only to recalculate Uh, Seventh-day Adventists did it in their founding as the Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons and everything else why we do this when we continue to have egg on our face I believe it was supposed to be December 21st, was it 2012? What year was it? When Harold Camping said, you know, the world's going to come to an end and people really freaked out about it and he was wrong again and we have plenty of examples of this. I think we could do less date predicting and more growing in holiness. That would be, be my advice. But nevertheless, Jesus warns the main thing is to be ready and to be alert. And we do that by following Jesus and living a life that would be glorifying Him. Do the simple things, do the great things, but do it all for Jesus. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.